This episode, I'm going to read 24th Mission by Frankie Elliott from a collection of poems and short stories, stories of people who hate love. 24th Mission. I learned more than I ever wanted to know about syphilis because of Peter. Peter wasn't my lover. He played the tin whistle at the 24th Mission Bart Station in San Francisco. I know his name because we took turns. Took turns busking, for money that is. The first time I saw him, he reminded me of the scarecrow, dangly arms and legs, rolled up jeans and mismatched socks. I think he might have been about 60 or so years old. He caught eyes with me and said, Found this flute in the grass at the park. He knew I could already play it. Every time a crowd rolled past him after a train emptied out, he'd clear, he'd clear his throat and shout, This is Tchaikovsky's serenade in D minor. And then he'd blow into that whistle so hard he nearly fell over, dizzy. In the month that I'd been watching and waiting my turn, Peter never once played a recognizable melody, and I knew that he had no idea who Tchaikovsky really was. And I think that was why I liked him so much. It's so boring and exhausting trying to impress people all the time. Whenever he finished playing, he'd either do a little tap dance and smile in a way that revealed his missing front tooth, or shake his cup sadly and complain about how cheap people are. Then he'd respectfully nod at me. The floor's yours, miss. And I'd unpack my violin to play. Peter had another act too. Aside from the tin whistle, he had acquired at the free health clinic on Haight Street a giant pamphlet with all the trials and tribulations of syphilis. Some days, usually when he forgot his tin whistle, he'd just stand as tall as he could, making wide gestures with those gangly arms and recite the statistics on the, of the dreaded disease. Peter would often state, Syphilis is back! This was his favourite line. Syphilis can occur on the external genitals, vagina, anus, rectum, lips and mouth. He would read that as if it were a hidden gem in a Joanne Dyden essay. When he was done, he'd carefully fold up that pamphlet and tuck it in his damn jacket pocket and say to me, This is the only book I have. Read it front to back many times. On Peter Syphilis act days, he made very little money. In fact, he generally accumulated candy wrappers, discarded tissues, and dirty looks in his cup instead. He'd look inside and slowly say, Just educating the people, miss, but they don't appreciate it. Your turn now. Play us a good one. He never once asked me what I was doing down there at 19 years old with my violin. He never acted it as if I didn't belong, and I was grateful. Despite growing up with years of violin lessons, like Peter, my repertoire for the train station was slim. I had forgotten all the concertos Mr. Sokolov had forced me to memorize and was left with only three melodies that I could play by memory. They were, not, they were the most desperately lonely violin piece I had ever heard and played. A sad Jewish hymn, Kaddish, an even sadder traditional Irish ballad, and some Norwegian dances by Greg that were unrecognizable to most people. I certainly wasn't here to please the crowd, but it seemed to work in my favor. I usually learned, leaned against the brick wall and only began to play when a wave of people were leaving the train. It'd be dead silent, and then for about two full minutes, people flew past me without much thought, pausing just enough to toss one dollar or five dollars into my violin case. The first day I busked, after 45 minutes, I made $60, and I knew it was worth the embarrassment of begging for money. For the first time in weeks, I could buy groceries. 
I traded in my packets of Kool-Aid for real juice and stocked up on peanut butter and jelly. I began to do it whenever I needed to buy food. One particularly successful afternoon, I didn't realize Peter was behind me, intently watching me count my money. When I finished, he did his little tap dance and let out a loud whistle. Wow, I've only made $15 at most playing down here. Must be because you're a young lady. After Peter discovered our differences in busking wages, he would always let me play first. Then he'd wait for me to pack up and we'd count my earnings together and I'd give him half. Didn't matter how different our lives were, him in the halfway house and me with my apartment full of drug addict artists. We were both here for the same reason, so we shared a mutual respect or sympathy for one another. And so we became friends of sorts. I learned little bits and pieces about his life and volunteered little information about myself. I learned that Peter had never fought in a war, but his brother did. He lost his right arm to gangrene and got so depressed he shot himself left-handed. Peter had a wife once who was a beautiful florist, but she left him for another woman. He even had a son son he had lost touch with living somewhere in New Mexico. He told me these things like they were facts in a syphilis pamphlet rather than landmark events in his life. He also told me that before he met me, he had never really heard the violin and he would like to learn to play. One particular day, I showed up at the train station with my violin to find Peter already there and in a crazy state. He was pacing and holding the syphilis pamphlet and had a wild look in his eyes, shouting about government conspiracies and God. He was making quite a scene and people rushed by in alarm and fear. What was worse was some people were stopping to laugh at him. I stood back and my heart sank with the realisation that Peter had a very real illness and a diminishing sense of reality. It was proving that his stay at the halfway house and his bouts of homelessness and garbage picking were just not were not just a rough patch. He was wrestling through. This was the hand he was dealt. Finally, he was shouting so loud and banging the syphilis pamphlet so hard against the brick wall that I knew I had to stop him. I reached into my violin case and pulled out my copy of Kurt Vonnegut's Slaughterhouse Five and went up to him. Peter, Peter, can you be quiet for a minute, please? I need your help. He stopped yelling for a second and looked at me with tears all caught up in his wrinkled cheeks. I could tell for a minute he didn't recognize me. What? What do you need? He said it almost accusingly. I said I wanted to trade books. I was tired of my book. I really wanted his book instead. I motioned to the pamphlet in his hand. Please? He looked down at my book. His eyes widened in wonder. He let out a a grin with that one tooth poking out and seemed visibly calmer. Sure, anything for this violinist over here. And we sealed the deal. He gave me the now very dirty and tattered educational syphilis pamphlet, and I gave him my very dirty and tattered copy of Slaughterhouse Five. We shook hands and Peter did a little tap dance and bounced away, shouting about his new book that he was waving in the air. As I unpacked my violin and got ready to play, I knew that I'd never see him again. And as a nod from the universe, I only made $10 that day. I never busted again after that, and I never saw Peter either. But I have a feeling that he's reading Vonnegut out loud at another train station somewhere, anywhere in America. Maybe even New Mexico. Thank you for listening. And so on to the commentary. Um, I'm pretty sure the last time I did commentary for a Frankie Elliott 
poems are the stories of people who I love. I've already talked about the book, so I'm not going to try and repeat myself too much. Um, what I find really interesting about this collection, apart from the fact they're all really good stories, is sometimes you just kind of look at things and go, is it a short story or is it a prose poem? Is it a poem? Uh, and then I guess the more important question is, does it actually matter? If you're, in, if you're entertained for, I think it took me seven and a half, nearly eight minutes to read that poem out loud. Um, that's, I guess, that's all I really, that really matters you know, to, to the reader. As long as you're entertained for the length of, of a piece, you know, whether it's a prose poem, a poem, a short story, whatever. Um, it is, I think that's more of an academic question. I don't think most people really care or understand the difference between poetry and prose poetry. I really like this story. Um, it's vivid. It's sad. It's kind of funny in a black kind of comedy way. Black comedy way. Um, I mean, I know this poetry is called me reading other people's published poetry, but this story is just so good and the end is so sad, but the end is so real as well. Like, you, if you've ever, I've never been to America, but I've been in sort of train stations in the UK and Sweden and here in Australia. And you see people like that. You see people ranting and raving or playing atrociously bad music. And people are either paying them out of sympathy or have no sense of music and think it sounds amazing. Um, and that, that, that very much is sort of a hallmark of Frankie Elliott's poetry, or her storytelling, is you read it and you're suddenly, you're there, you're in that subway. And it's not necessarily, I mean, I've never been to America, so I can't picture what 24th and Mission Bart Station in San Francisco is yet, until I travel there. Um, but, you know, you can sort of put yourself in any train station that you're familiar with. And I'm never bossed busked in a train station, um, my violin playing was the sort of thing you did as a small child, so it, obviously I don't mean you're going to be able to relate to every aspect of the story, but just the pacing of the story as well is so good, the way she sort of starts it off, and then she does that kind of character reveal as it builds up, so the longer you read, the more you learn about the narrator, about Peter the syphilis pamphlet guy, and just sort of the nature of busking in a way, and then there's that kind of really sad end and that kind of almost nod to, you know, the problem of mental health and homelessness and how it affects people. Um, so I really hope I was able to convey how good that story is in the way I read it. I hope you enjoyed my reading. I hope you enjoyed this commentary. If you did, I would appreciate, greatly appreciate, if you could say review this podcast or share this with your friends or like it or whatever the thing is you do when you enjoy a podcast. Um, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it.